so how is everybody doing? I'm so really glad to see you. Or, well, I can't see you, of course, but I'm glad that you're here. I kind of have a confession to make. I I haven't had a really good week myself this week. Um, last week just felt kind of awkward, and it just didn't feel like I said everything that I needed to say correctly and all of that. And I've just been sort of overthinking this episode for this week. So I really appreciate that you're still here or that you came back. <laughs> I don't know. It, it probably wasn't that bad, but I just seemed like I wasn't really getting the point across very well. Anyhow, none of that's important, right? This week, we're going to talk about humility. This is always a weird subject because we've been taught so many strange things about humility that humiliation is a good thing that we're supposed to humiliate ourselves in in other words to be humbled by our circumstances and not to think of ourselves more highly than we should and of course all that's true except that not in the humiliated embarrassing kind of way the word humility is the Greek word in your Strong's Concordance. It's number 5013 in the Greek. All it means is to bring low. I'm just going to cut to the chase here and just tell you before we get to all of that that what this is really meaning, what humility is, simply means to place yourself under the authority that has been placed over you. That's being humble. You are seeing your place and understanding and accepting that place. Okay, we're going to get right to it. We'll, we'll get into that. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, Peter says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care upon him, because he cares for you. What this verse is saying to me is that if I accept my role as being under God, below God, that he is higher than me, this verse is the Rosetta Stone for understanding humility. Because it says, if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt us at the right time. So we can see right from that that exalting is not a bad thing. It's just that God is the one that needs to do our exalting because when we try to exalt ourselves, that doesn't work. And then the verse goes on and says, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. So this is all part of being humble. When you are humble, when you know that you are not enough to take care of your problem, then you cast that care upon him. That's you are doing humility by giving him your care because you're saying, God, I'm not big enough. I can't take care of this. Could you be my God? And then it finishes by saying, because he cares for you. This is amazing. This is so awesome to me. 
in that one verse, you have the whole definition and understanding about humility. All right, so uh, in Matthew, in, in Matthew 18, verse 1 through 6, Jesus talks about humility, and he says it this way. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus called a little child over to him, and he set him in the midst of them. And he said, unless you are converted and become like little children, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, humbles himself like this little child, this same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso will receive one such little child in my name receives me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it was better for him that a millstone be hanged around his neck and he be drowned in the depths of the sea. He also says in verse 23, he says, The greatest among you will be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be abased, and he that humbles himself will be exalted. Here again, we're seeing that the exalting is done by God. He's the one that exalts. It's not wrong to be exalted. It's not wrong for people to look at you as an authority or as a leader or as exalted. What's wrong is for you to do that for yourself. Because then Jesus tells the story about, you know, if you come in uh, if you come into a wedding, this is in, in Luke, uh, Jesus told the story about the man who, he said, if, if you go into a wedding and you sit down in the, the Bible verse's highest room, but it, it means in the highest seat, in the, in the place where is the most respected in the, uh, you know, like in, in, in our society, if you were sitting, if you're sitting next to the president, then that would make you more important than other people. But Jesus says, don't do that. Don't go sit in that special chair because somebody else might come in and you might be embarrassed when they say, oh, I'm sorry, you're going to have to move. So when you come in, you just act as who you are. You're just another person in the room. And then somebody else says, no, you're not just somebody else. We want to exalt you. And that's how it's done. Okay. Humility is confused many times with humiliation. But I don't believe that God desires for us degradation and misery. In First Peter, he talks about exalting us. But as we've talked about already, if we exalt ourselves, then we have placed ourselves in that position of authority and we've placed ourselves as our own God. Humility really is the act of recognizing who the true authority is, and then we agree to that authority by submitting to it. And when we submit, we humble ourselves. That's what that means. Peter says that the way that's done is to cast our cares on him. And by doing that, we acknowledge our own weakness and we give God permission to work out his will in our life. But as long as we believe that we're better at running our lives than he is, I got a feeling that God just kind of steps back and says, yeah, go for it. See what you can do. When you're done floundering around, come on back here and I'll show you how it's done. When we submit to God, which is this act of humility, then 
we accept his evaluation over our own evaluation. This can be difficult because when God says that you're righteous and forgiven, there's this temptation to resist that opinion because you think your opinion is more valuable than God's. When God said that Gideon was a mighty man of valor in in Judges 6, Gideon is tempted to believe in his own opinion of himself because Gideon says, not me, who are you talking to? I'm not a mighty man of valor. But once Gideon realizes that God's on his side, or at least that Gideon is on God's side and God and him are in partnership there, suddenly Gideon becomes confident and he humbles himself by following God's direction. There have been times in my own life where things weren't going the way I thought that they should. And I told you about that story last year where I said to God, I said, God, what's wrong here? Why don't you do something about this? Why is this, what's what's going on here? And his answer to me was, relax. So I had to make a choice. Do I continue to trust in my own opinion and try to fix everything? Or do I rest in my trusting in God and he will accomplish his will in my life? That's what humility is. Humility is not acting as though you don't deserve anything and you're just a worm. Humility is recognizing your rightful place. And if if God says your place is right next to him, then it's humility to go stand in that place, even though you don't feel comfortable with that. Maybe you don't feel like you deserve that. But if he says it, who are you going to trust? Him or you? If God says you're righteous then you're righteous, whether you feel like it or not. And humility accepts that righteousness and receives it. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. Humble yourself by casting all your care upon him, because he cares for you. And this week, I just want to share one more song from Apologetics. This song is their parody of Born to be Wild.
for the for the next part of the show, I wanted to talk about what you do in an emergency situation. You know, so everyone's seen that movie or read that book where someone gets lost in the woods or their plane crashes or whatever. What should we do now in a situation like that? Maybe you're in a situation like that right now. You, you're in an emergency situation. You don't know what to do. Okay. The very first thing you have to do is you have to stay calm. You have to fight the panic. Calm down. Take a few breaths. And then look around. And now that you're calm, you can assess your situation and decide what's changeable and what's not. I developed a system that helps me get through difficult situations, and I call it ACT, ACT. The first step, the A, is to assess your situation. And now what that means is you're evaluating everything in your present space, and you're determining whether those things are positive options or whether they're liabilities. And, of course, every situation is going to be different, and it will determine the direction, or in other words, the criteria you will use to evaluate each thing. Okay. In this situation, you're going to have to look around you to determine your best chance for survival based on your environment. Try to see if you can determine where places for water or shelter might be found. You want to figure out if you can stay where you are or if it's necessary to keep moving. You need to find a place that has shelter, food, and water nearby. You want to determine whether your clothing is sufficient for the climate. If it's cold, you need to be sure you have plenty of layers. If it's not, you'll need to stay cool, but you also have to be protected from direct sunlight. The next thing on the list is the sea control. And once you've taken stock of your environment, you looked around and figured out what you have, the things you can't change and what things you need to change, and then you can move into this area where you can take control of the situation. This is where you begin to build the scenario to fit your needs. You've found those things that you can't change, like the cold or the heat or the dark, and now you determine how to deal with those things. For instance, it might be dark. So you've assessed this because it's dark. You can't see anything. So then you begin to assess whether this is something that is totally unchangeable, like a cave, or only a temporary situation, like nighttime. So do we wait for the sun to come up, or is this a situation where the sun's not going to come up because you're in a cave? So if you have a flashlight, or as they say over the pond, a torch, then the darkness is not unchangeable. You can fix that. That's how you start to take control of your situation. Little by little, you're bending the existing conditions into what you need them to be. And the third step in our process is the T, turn. You're going to take the information you gained by assessing your assets and liabilities, and then you've developed ideas for controlling those things. And so now you turn towards that solution and you turn away from the threat. This is where you begin to take aggressive action in the direction you've chosen. What do I mean by that? Well, let's take the example of being in the darkness. You don't have a flashlight. There's not enough light coming from other places, so there's really not much you can do. You feel around, you see what tools you might find, and you find a blanket and some socks. So for the moment, 
Maybe it's time to rest and wait for the sun to come up. So you tee, turn, by you wrap the blanket around you, you put the socks on your hands as makeshift mittens, and then you lay down out of the wind to wait until things change. That's ACT. That's you assessed, you controlled, and you turned. All right, so thanks for coming. And as always, I want to hear what you think. Have a great week. I really appreciate y'all coming. And God bless. Bye-bye.